Welcome to Think Biblically, Conversations on Faith and Culture, a podcast from Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. I'm your host, Sean McDowell, professor of a Christian apologetics. I'm your co-host, Scott Ray, Dean of Faculty and Professor of Christian Ethics. Today we have a totally different kind of episode for you. I see my co-host smiling over there because normally we take a cultural issue and look at it through a biblical lens, but we're going to address some of the questions we get regularly from listeners like you. How did this podcast start? What makes it unique? How do we prep for interviews, select guests? Where is this podcast going? So I've really been looking forward to this, Scott. Yeah, How me about, too. I, yeah. I think this will, this will be fun and, uh, and hopefully uh, interesting to our listeners. I hope so. I guess we'll find out. We'd love we your feedback. If this is helpful, <laughs> maybe we'll do something like this again in the future. But much, much of this podcast comes out of our relationship, but also our experience at Biola. So you were already here as a faculty member when I came. What was your story, before we get to the podcast, of even ending up at Biola? Well, it, w- it was highly providential. Uh, and as I look back on it, it was, it was clearly a God thing that you know, really caught me off guard a bit. Uh, I had uh, done my grad work at Dallas Seminary and came out here to California, accepted a position at the International School of Theology, which was a... Uh, the the seminary that yeah. was under Campus Crusades Cruise umbrella yep. at the time a fledgling place where uh, J P Moreland was with me uh, Klaus Isler who ended up back at Talbot uh, was with us for for a while uh, then I was, was did a stretch as a pastor uh, and realized that that the pastoral side of me wasn't I, I wasn't running on all my cylinders uh, and as a professor I was and so I started sort of looking around and put in an application to be an ad, just an adjunct uh, at Talbot to teach a course. And as it turned out, we have a very close friend. Uh, her name is Ellen Grigsby, a very dear friend, who was a single mom, lived close to us. We did, okay. Sally and my wife Sally and I did a ton of things with her kids. Okay. She and her, and her, her ex-husband uh, studied in, in Aberdeen, Scotland with the, the Talbot Dean at the time. Oh. They were doctoral students again, and their families were very close. And Bing and Joanne Hutter, who was the dean at Talbot, kept up with Ellen after she and her, and her ex divorced, just to sort of stay in touch. Yeah. And so they were over on a Sunday afternoon looking through a, her Ellen's photo album, <laughs> and he started asking these questions, who, who is this couple who's, who has all these pictures of doing things with your kids? Because we took their kids to the beach and to, gotcha. to events, things like that. And so she started glowing about their, her, her friendship with us. And Dr. Hunter recollected, he said, I read Scott's resume on Friday, <laughs> two days before that. And so, so Friday he reads his resume. Sunday he's at her house and sees this stuff about how we interacted mm. with her kids. And on Monday I got a call inviting me to take a position as an adjunct faculty member. Wow. And so he gave me, he wanted to see if I had the chops to do this, and the first course he gave me was at night, and it was an undergrad course in Old Testament okay. of like 250 students. Oh, gosh. I'd never had a teaching wow. experience like that before. Uh, and so they, things went well, and then they offered me a full-time contract at the end of that, you know, mm. at the end of that school year. That, that's amazing. My story is probably a little less interesting. Grew up in a town called Julian in the mountains of San Diego, famous for gold mines and apple pies. Yeah. 
And when I was a senior in high school, I basically had a handful of criteria. I'd always been at public schools, wanted to go to Christian school, and I wanted to be within a couple hours from home, so I was far enough away, not too many surprise visits. But my wife now was actually my girlfriend, and she was a grade behind me, so I could go see her, and I wanted to play basketball. And I ended up applying to Westmont and Biola, and after visiting Biola, being here was like, this is the place for me. Now, my senior year, I had both you and J.P. Moreland as professors in the M.A. Phil program. And that's one of the reasons I went into studying philosophy, doing apologetics, and doing what I do today. So that goes back to 1998 yeah, at least. That's wild. You and I have been friends. I thought you were going to make a comment on how much older I am than you. <laughs> I'm glad you <laughs> which, did is, this Which time. is true. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, in well, fact, you, you, you may remember... Uh, that I brought my club team mm. to some of the games when you were playing. Wow! And uh, we had parents of our of our club kids who uh, were were invited because they were invited. In, Coach Holmbrook's invited our team into the locker room. That's right. After the game, and all these non Christian parents wow. with these kids, and they were, you know, and so everybody was just kind of in awe of all these college athletes. Yeah. And the first thing Holmquist says after the game is. Who's going to pray? Mm. It was this really powerful thing mm. for all these non-Christian parents to see because all these players that their kids were admiring cool. and looking up to, you know, they saw them you know, on their knees in the locker room. That's pretty cool. That's, that's fun. Well, I, I got to say, as you know, I sat the bench three years, finally played my senior year, and one of my all-time favorite comments is when one of your sons was out in the back. He was like that's five right. or three, did a dunk. That's He's right. like, I'm Sean McDowell. <laughs> I was right. like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Nobody says that. I was that role-playing backup point guard. You made my career oh. just the fact that your son said that. I will tell Cam. Well, I will remind Cameron of that. Oh, <laughs> seriously. I, I have shared that story. Well, let, let's jump to the podcast because this was your idea. You came to me, but tell me how you first came up with it. Well, it was. It was. Um, this was probably, you know, four, you know, five years ago uh, that we started thinking about this in probably early 2017. Um, and I, you know, the number of podcasts at that time was sort of exponentially increasing. It seems like everybody and their grandmother had a podcast. Right, right. Uh, you know, including some friends of mine uh, who had very successful podcasts. And I thought, if, you know, if everybody's doing this and they have, and you have the technological means to do it, you know this. You know if if everybody sort of can start one, you know why not us start one? Because uh, you know I'd done a lot of radio. My my dear friend, the late Frank Pastore, had taught me a lot about how to do radio well. Mm. You know, and so I started thinking about you know I don't want to really want to do this by myself. Who would be who would be the best person to do this with? And there was really nobody else on the list mm. uh, besides you, because I wanted somebody who was younger who had who had connections with a, a generation that I had that I didn't but who had a heart for some of the same things that I did uh, and you were, I mean you have, you were and have been a perfect choice to be a partner in this and it's just been, it's been a delight to do this together and I'm I am more convinced than ever that I made the right call oh, by inviting you to be well, part of this that's really sweet I remember that call and at first I was thinking oh this would be fun but I just didn't know if I could add it to my plate at this time called my boss Craig Hazen he's like go for it and I am so thankful that you had that idea and part of me is like we should have thought of this a decade ago or five years ago now fortunately we did have the idea before COVID hit and now it's just exponentially growing so you know God's given us a little bit of a 
an, an advantage, so to speak. I saw this yeah. Babylon Bee headline that said, the last remaining man on earth without a podcast starts a podcast to talk about what it's like to not have a podcast. And, and I chuckled. I thought everybody has one now, yeah. which is fine. But I also really believe the cream rises to the top. If you do a good job and serve people, they're going to respond. And that's what, what we try to do. Well, this is the advice we got sort of early on. Is you don't don't try to come out there and make a big splash with you know with all these mm. big name high high powered guests, uh, you know d- just be be slow and steady and continue right. to continue to produce quality content, and we've tried to you we've tried to to uh, bring out the quality in terms of the guests that we have, and we'll talk about more of that in just a minute. But yeah. we've we've our philosophy has been. This is bigger than just the two of us, mm. uh, and we want to we want to use our platform to you know, to feature people who are writing good things and who are you know who are doing good things and give them a platform as well as one for Talbot and Biola. Well, this is obviously a, a team effort, and we have different ways of bringing guests and topics. But how do you think about an approach when we have say a number of interviews coming up? Uh, how do you plan for and pick both topics and guests? Well, what, what we, I think what, what, where we've ended up is uh, we've we've done this around new books that are being published, mm-hmm. and we've we've tried to do two different things. One is we've tried to feature feature good books so that our listeners will read them, right, right, and, and, and engage with them. Uh, and we've also recognized that, the, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, the writing of many books is endless. <laughs> so I'm not worried about running out of things to talk about. Exactly. Because people continue to publish good stuff. Uh, and, you know, now the, the publishers of, you know, sort of the major Christian publishers now send us all this stuff unsolicited, uh, which is great because uh, we don't have to go hunting around for, you know, for good stuff. Um, but... You know, I look through the you know, catalogs of books that we get that are coming out, and I think, you know, what one what looks really interesting to people. Yep. What what is going to capture people's attention? What can we what can we talk about meaningfully in twenty five to thirty minutes? Mm. Because not every book is like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then, what what's going to touch a felt need that mm. we think our audience has? Now we've got a certain sort of niche. In, in the culture and apologetics realm, uh, but we've also talked about some other, th- you know, some other things that, uh, you know, are just issues that people might be wrestling with. So we've that those are the criteria that I I basically use. Well, how about you? You probably I think you view it maybe a little bit differently. Yeah, one thing that I do is I just look at does this topic excite me? Am I interested in this? And in some ways, I know if I am, I'm going to prep that much more. I'm going to bring more energy to an interview. So sometimes I feel bad because there's probably some biblical topics we haven't addressed. And for whatever reason, my experience, my training, I just can't get myself excited about it as much. Now, we try to make exceptions just because there's people out there that are going to be interested in things that you and I may not. But that metric, and that actually came from Frank Pastore, who you said influenced you, he told me, he's like, ask questions that are interesting to you. He's like, I cover topics that fascinate me, and if it fascinates me, it's going to fascinate our audience. I, I think the other thing with guests is we primarily do books, sometimes articles, sometimes just issues that people are experts in as well. But we just look for people who are trained in an area, 
who have produced at a high level of content and have something important to say as an expert, and in particular, can help us think biblically about that topic. So we do something on poverty, we want somebody who's thought about this deeply. We do something on the issue of race, we want someone who's thought about it deeply. Whatever these issues are and tie it into scripture, that's what we're looking for. Now, one more question for you, I'm curious. Like how, when we say think biblically, what that means at Biola is going to be different than somebody say to the far left or maybe to the far right of us. What criteria might you use, for example, when we think about some of these more sensitive issues that we talk about on this podcast? We've talked about race a few times. We've talked about LGBTQ. We've talked about immigration. And within biblical thinking on some of these, there can be a range of perspectives. So What's your thinking when we go to cover one of those more thorny kinds of issues? Well, for one, I, I want to be fair to the, 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 dif- the different views that I think on some of these issues can exist within a, a biblically orthodox framework. Mm. Uh, so, for example, on immigration, we've had, you know, we've done five podcasts on immigration, uh, two with our, our own colleague here, Marcus Zender, our Old Testament prof who comes from Europe and has a different view of immigration yeah. than somebody who might have come from Latin America, for example. So we've had, we've had him, we, and then we've had my, my good friend, Danny Carroll, who grew up in, you know, who didn't grow up, spent, spent part of his growing up years in Latin America, but ministered in, in Central America for many years, and has a very different view than Marcus does about immigration. So we've tried, and b- both of them, I think, fit within, you know, broadly biblical parameters. Uh, so we've tried to be we've tried to be fair in in on issues where there is freedom within biblical parameters, mm. uh, and I think we've you know we, we we've also had some people on who you know are not believers at all, uh, who I think who we think have something to offer. Uh, for example, one that we posted not too long ago was the story of the Uyghur Muslims. Yeah. And they're, they're yeah. basically three million of them being held in the virtual equivalent of concentration camps in mm. China. And for all, for all of us who said never again after World War II, uh, well, it seems to be happening again. Uh, you know, we had Helen Pluckrose on. On social who, justice. On social top, justice, yeah. who yeah. is a, you know, a self-professed uh, disciple of Richard Dawkins. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, so we just said, you know, we'll... we'll We'll, we'll agree to disagree about sort of fundamental theological things, sure. but we do have some common ground that we can build on. Uh, and I think, I think those, are, those are, I think, are really helpful models of engaging with people who, who may not share the same worldview that we do, uh, but we do have things in common. Uh, and I think, that, you know, some of the people we've had on on race— uh, view things differently. Sure, uh, there's a lot. I think there's a, there's a pretty broad continuum of how you can come down on some things on race. We've had people who are very very skeptical about uh, critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had others who who give it you know give it some uh, ability to contribute to the discussion on race. Uh, you know, without necessarily buying into the whole package, lock, stock, and barrel. So I think it's important for listeners to know that we don't necessarily agree with everything each of our guests (laughs) believe. And at times we give each other looks like, oh, I'd love to go down that road and press this. 
not the time, not the place. But the larger area is biblical orthodoxy, unless we just make it clear for a bigger reason, hey, we've got an atheist here, we have a Muslim here, welcome them on if there's some common ground with a cause that we believe in. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we do our best when, you know, when we disagree with people to, to point that out. Sure, and, exactly. And, and we, you know, we're not, we're not shy. Neither of us are particularly shy, shy about challenging people that we disagree with. Sure. But we are, we're also trying to do it in a way that's winsome and, build, and builds, yeah. rela- builds bridges and relationships yep. rather than fences. I think that's great. So how do you prep for interviews? I read voraciously. Mm. Because the way the way we do this, just so our listeners, we don't do these sort of you know one one day at a time. Uh, we'll do we do we do these every couple months, and we do we do them all day. Yeah, uh, we have them lined up back to back to back. Start you starting at eight o'clock in the morning and ending at three or four in the afternoon. Yep, and uh, you know hopefully our listeners can't tell, <laughs> but, but yeah, sometimes by the end of the day we're we're both verging on incoherency. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, because I think doing six or seven of these in, in a day is a, is a lot to ask. Yeah. But our schedules really don't allow us to do it any differently than that. And fortunately, our technology allows us to do, you know, all, almost all of this remotely with guests. And the technology, uh, you know, uh, kudos to our tech team over here. Who, yeah, they're, they're amazing. Just, they are stars. Because all we do, you know, we, we do all the prep. We invite the guests. You know, our assistant communicates with them. But we literally walk in record and walk out mm. and they do the rest of the work mm. and god bless them for doing that because god forbid that you and i would have to do the tech side of <laughs> that this that would not work well but i think we we both i think you know we we read everything that we talk to guests about uh, you know, we're not we're not one of these folks that you know that brag on the fact that we do great interviews without ever reading their stuff uh, the reason i think we're able to put good questions together and to have good conversations with guests is because we've been very careful to read their stuff well. Uh, and usually, you know, I'll, I'll take half the guests and deal with the questions. Yeah. Sean, you'll take the other half so that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have to read everything quite as carefully. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've read since we started this, We've both just read. We've read hundreds. Yeah, that's of, true. Of books. <laughs> that's true. That we've had on, you know, because we've done, you know, what in in four and a half years we've done over two hundred of these things. Mm. So those are those are, you know, you know, several dozen books that I probably probably just wouldn't have had time to read without this making the time for it. When I'm being interviewed by somebody else, I can almost always tell a few questions in if they have read my book or not. And I understand that some people don't have the time. Maybe they have assistants do it. Maybe my PR manager sends them a list of questions. Like, I understand that happens. But I think there's a, it's subtle but powerful, just qualitative difference in the output of an interview when you ask the right questions. And that only comes from reading the books, thinking about it. I'll come up with like 15, 20 questions. Then I go back through and I look at it and I narrow them down. So each one of these interviews, there's been probably, I don't know if I'd say dozens, but there's been hours and hours of prep and thought going into it to try to get the best interview that we can. Well, and we think hard too about how how which questions follow, mm. follow next and next. 
Uh, and we like to, you know, it, it's, it's important to us, I think, to hear a bit of the, the author's personal story behind this. Yep. So why, why they wrote this, why they felt yep. compelled to devote this huge slice of their life to writing this stuff down, uh, usually is, is pretty telling about what's important to the author and some, sometimes are things that we've, you know, really fruitfully follow up on. Yeah, there's always a story and a motivation why somebody would spend the work and time to write a book. I mean, it's not comparable to giving a child, but obviously people make that comparison to at least talk about the work to it. So I want to know what motivated you, what sparked that interest. So we often start there. I tried that analogy with childbirth <laughs> and not after over. my first, it did not go well. <laughs> so it's the last time I tried that. Good, good um, tip. I will say too that we, you know, we often not not off, but there there are a handful of guests that we have that it really doesn't matter what they've written. Mm. I want to have them on. Mm. You know, I would listen to Oz Guinness read the phone book. Yes, because <laughs> it would be <laughs> if he he could make that interesting and culturally relevant. Yep. Uh, and there are a hand there are a handful of others that I think fit that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some uh, standout episode or two to you over the, I believe, four to four and a half years? And I'll tell you what, one of the ones for me just to start off with is I remember when we decided to do this, we're like, okay, you said, Sean, we need somebody who'd be articulate, somebody who's well known, somebody who we could start with right out of the gun. Do you know anybody? And I was like, I don't know if this was in the back of your mind or not, send me up, <laughs> but I was like, uh, my dad, that's an easy one. He'd do a favor for me. So we no, called him I, re- I realized that he might, he would take your call quicker than he would mine. Yeah, that is, that is, and he'd take my kids, his grandkids, even faster than mine for the record. But I remember we called him up and it was just the, th- the theme was five decades of faithful apologetics. And he just knocked it out of the park. But the funny thing is he made a comment. He goes, next time your ratings are dipping, give me a call. And as far as I know, we haven't had him back on, we have, have not we? Had him back we haven't on. needed him for our <laughs> dad. If you're listening, shout out to you. We actually did invite him, and it fell through uh, for different reasons. But it but... wasn't because our ratings were sagging. Exactly, exactly. So that was a standout for yeah. me. That was fun. How about you? Well, I think too with your dad, it was so fun because uh, you know we reflected back on some of the first times I'd ever heard him speak when mm. I was a college student, and he remarked about, "Good night. You must really be old." <laughs> <laughs> and I and I resisted the urge because because you know next time I have one I won't. But I resisted the urge to say, well, you must be older than dirt if that's the case. Yep. yep. Uh, but I think you know the the hand the number of times we've had Oz Guinness on those have all been highlights. The, I mean, the, it just in my view doesn't get a lot better mm-hmm. than that because he is so so well read yep. and articulate, and you know he's he's not an academic. Although he doesn't cl- doesn't claim yeah. to be an academic, yeah. although I think he's he's more of one than he gives himself credit for. But he's you know he has watched this work on the streets, you know, with the people he comes into contact with. That's been a highlight. I think the other one that I thought was a major highlight was when we had Russell Moore. Oh here. yeah, yeah. Uh, and he has been he is so articulate mm. and such a winsome you know mm. representative of the gospel. You know, in some pretty difficult circumstances that he's found himself in. Um, so that, I think, th- that was a highlight, too. I think, you know, having Preston Sprinkle uh, talk about matters of sexuality, because they're, they're, in my view, there's nobody that's better positioned and be- mm. better better read and better mm. qualified 
to talk about a, bib- a biblical sexuality than him. What about some of the impact of this of this podcast? We've I've gotten a ton of emails, uh, comments, which are fun. But I, I'd love to hear from you. Maybe a standout impact you've heard about this. Well, yeah, one one in particular. We'll, we can give the numbers here if you know if we want to. Um, but it's just been so encouraging to watch it just consistently grow. But one of the impacts that has come back to us is one one of our board members mm. at Biola uh, told us. I don't know, probably two years ago, uh, that he and his son download it every week. They listen to it separately. They live in, live in different parts of the country. Okay. Uh, and it's, it, it has become their way of meaningfully staying wow. connected with each other. Wow. It's been so encouraging. So they listen to it each week, and they have a set time when they talk for an hour or so by phone Wow. Uh, or by, by Zoom. Uh, just about the content of the podcast for that week. Uh, I found that super, super encouraging. One of the things that I do is I teach a high school class at a private school in San Juan Capistrano, and we have block schedule, but Mondays are short classes. And I assign all my students to just listen. All they got to do is listen to it that week, and then Mondays we talk about it. And it's a Bible class, so we've had conversations again on immigration, on sexuality, on race, on economics. And it's just been such a good tool because it's only 25 to 30 minutes. And I've been able to teach them like, hey, next time you're driving somewhere, even if you have to put it on double speed, whatever. (laughs) It drives my wife nuts, but I I can listen to it. Uh, put it on double speed, listen to it. Or when you're, you know, waiting around or going somewhere or exercising, just listen to it. And it's created a lot of really healthy conversation and enabled me to kind of teach that discipline of the students as well. I think the, the other, th- I think, significant impact out of this is what it's spawned, I think, for you, Sean, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, out of this has come your own individual YouTube channel that has almost six-figure subscriber list uh, where you were able to do it on video and in, in, in uh, lo- longer interviews. Uh, we, we decided on the 25 to 30-minute limit because at least pre-COVID, that was, the, that was the time of the average commute That's right. in That's Southern right. California. And so it, it, the, we thought that time was just about right. Video is a different audience. It is. Uh, and so, I, I, but I think what's, what that spawned just for your ministry mm-hmm. has been just a really significant impact of this and one that I'm thrilled about. Well, it definitely made me think differently. Rather than being somebody who's interviewed, how do I lead a conversation? And I had no idea that there's certain skills you have to develop to ask a good question, cut off at a certain time, keep a conversation going. I mean, that is an entirely different animal to be, when you're a guest, you just have to answer. You don't have to worry about the time. You don't have to keep things going. But when you're interviewing somebody else, it's entirely different. So I started learning that skill set here. And one of the things amongst others that encouraged me to really focus on my YouTube channel is when these interviews were done, I was like, man, that 30 minutes went fast. I want some more depth with this person. And the difference between 30 minutes and an hour, you can slow down, you can breathe a little bit, go into depth. So quite a few of the guests here, I started inviting on my YouTube channel, said, hey, let's reach a whole new audience. And I think it's gone both ways. I think a lot of people from YouTube channel, some people just want to listen to a podcast. Other people want to see it. So there's no sense of competition. It's just a different medium for the same kind of thing. And we've even used some of my YouTube interviews here as bonuses 
and it's the same kind of thing. And some of them have done pretty well to our, I think, biblically yeah. listeners. Yeah. Well, and it, I just you know for for our listeners, if they're interested in the numbers, um, it had it has you know the, the audience has grown significantly over the last, you know, especially the last two years, I'd say. Okay. Uh, because we're at the end of 2021, we had roughly somewhere between 650,000 and 700,000 downloads for the year. Hmm. So we're averaging probably somewhere around 60,000 downloads a month. That's great. Which I'm I'm delighted with. Folks at Biola seem to be very happy with that. Uh, and where I'd like to see it go, just in terms of the numbers, is to see it. You know, a year from now, be a, be at 800,000. Two years, hmm. be at a million. Hmm. Um, but the impact of that is w- much where I'm, where I know, and you, you are too, a lot more interested in seeing that go. Uh, and so, what we're anticipating, we're we're going we're to launch some video podcasts ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and I think some of that is, I think, based on the success that your YouTube channel has had, mm-hmm. w- which tells me that there's a different audience for video than there is for audio. And so, we want to do our best to capture some of that audience as well. Uh, now, for, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think we'll do okay on video. Some, you know, some some people suggested we have faces that are perfect for audio, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I but I think we'll I think we'll do okay. At least if we mm-hmm. have a good makeup artist, uh, that that'll go okay. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that how that changes some of our audience, uh, and I think I think that'll be a really helpful addition. Me too. One of the cool things before I forget that I've heard from people, it's through the YouTube channel, even through the podcast, some people have heard about Biola who and Talbot who wouldn't have otherwise and decided to come. That's that's a pretty cool, humbling thing. So of course we do this as a part of Biola. We want people to know about Biola. We want them to send their students here. We wouldn't teach here if we didn't believe in it. But it's also using the resources that God has given us to reach the world whether they come or not. So as far as where I want to see it go, we filmed three recently, haven't posted them yet. Uh, Although it's coming up soon, we will be. I would love to just get some of the viewers to come over and start seeing our faces, our interaction with our guests. There's just such a different kind of experience you can take away from it. So this is an experiment to us in some ways, to be honest. We want to talk about what it takes to have a successful podcast. I'm looking at you, Scott, going, we, we, we don't really know. We just kind of threw this thing together. We're learning as we go along. We've made plenty of mistakes, and we're trying new things, including video and other things, just excited to see where it goes. But for me, the whole key is when I think about an interview, it's, yes, something that's interesting to me, but Honestly, I think about the great commandment, love God and love other people. As I'm prepping, I'm thinking, you and I have, I consider it a privilege because we're professors. We get to read hundreds of books. A lot of people cannot read these huge books just for time and the job that God has called them to. But we can take this, bring on guests and take these big ideas and get just the gist of it and sometimes even more. That's a way of loving our audience when it's all said and done, that's really what motivates me. Yeah, and I think you know if we can continue continue to see that grow and increase, uh, I'll be delighted. Hmm. Uh, but I think the, you know the opportunity to serve the kingdom in this way, uh, to contribute to the lives of our our constituents, our audience, 
uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to meet some more of these folks. Mm. Uh, I'd love it if people would communicate with us the things that are helpful, the things that they would like to see us do better, mm. or topics they'd like to see us talk about. Uh, that that would be terrific. Uh, we would love to hear from you know more of our listeners. Uh, so, what, what's the best way do you think for people to get a hold of us? Because a lot of people just contact me through my website, seanmcdowell.org. I get regular emails from listeners and can process it there. Do you have a way? And to be honest, sometimes I get so many emails, I just physically cannot respond to all of them. I do my best, but I read every single email that comes. That's for sure. Is there another way to get a hold of you or just to send into the podcast to maybe your assistant that would handle this best? Yeah. Um, I think just if you can, I th- probably just to send it to the just to the mailbox at Talbot. Okay. At tal- Talbot.edu, uh, it'll get routed to us. Uh, you know, if you wanted to send it to SeanMcDowell.org, that's fine with me too. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think just in general, you know, just the general Talbot address, which you can communicate with through the website Talbot.edu. Mm. Okay, gotcha. Uh, is probably the best way to do that. That sounds good. Well. Anything else? Did I miss anything? I think we covered it. We're pushing up against our time anyways. Not that we have to. We pick 25 to 30 minutes, like you said, because the commute, you can go longer, you can go shorter. But uh, Uh, No, I think, you know, I I think, you know, it's been encouraging to us to see the way, the different ways people utilize the podcast, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, when they're driving, exercising, uh, you know, when they're just, you know, sort of hanging out with, you know, with time to kill. I post some of these episodes to uh, my online classes uh, for students to listen to mm. as part of their assignments. Uh, just because, you know, when when else are they going to get a chance to hear from some of the people that we have on? Mm. Uh, so I think there's there's a lot of different ways people can use it. I'm very encouraged that uh, people are listening to it. Uh, and, you know, if the Lord continues to bless it, then I'll be delighted. Mm. Uh, and we will continue to be faithful and produce good content as best we can. I think that's the goal. Uh, and just trust the Lord to handle the rest. Amen. If our if our listeners have any suggested books or content, send them our way. We make no promises, only because the great thing is now we're I'm getting them weekly, which yeah. is awesome. Tons of books, which has saved me a little bit of money. I'm like, oh, free book. This is great. But it's not. I mean, there's probably dozens of books we consider for each interview that we slot. And it could be something as simple as, you know what, we just talked about that topic. This book looks awesome. This guest looks awesome, but we just can't revisit it again. So if we don't have it on, don't make any assumptions, but we always love to hear from listeners, things you've learned. If you have stories that would encourage us, send them our way. If you have things you just want uh, to know and topics to cover, something to consider, we read all of that and take to heart. So Thank you for listening. I'm not going to do the normal closing to this one. I don't think we need it, but just we haven't really ever stopped. You mean, and you just, mean this has been enough of a commercial as is? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, <laughs> whoever has stayed to the end, yeah. I'm going to assume already values this this podcast and what we do. But I don't know that I've ever just stopped and thanked our listeners here, here. for the feedback, for just sharing episodes. I have people tell me all the time they're sharing episodes. That just is an encouragement to us that, you know, maybe God is using this humble pursuit a little bit. So no, we're very, very grateful to you, our audience, uh, for, you know, for downloading regularly, for listening, for 
giving us feedback and for how you use it. Mm. We will see you next week on the podcast. Amen. Amen.